Welcome back to Gambling with Gold. My name is Jason Gold, and I am joined by Spencer at Tiaf Sports, usually my golf guy today, my partner in crime in the NFL draft. What we're going to do today is do a full mock draft, go back, switch picks back and forth. You have the first pick, your odd, and we're going to talk about all these picks from a gambling perspective, looking at the gambling market, seeing what's happening right now, analyzing the movement, and then hopefully making some good selections. And hopefully at the end of the day, making everybody, including ourselves, a little bit of cash. So, Spencer, how are you doing this fine Thursday? I'm doing great, Jason. We were talking about it a little bit before the show started, and I think we're both in agreement. Like, if it's not at the very top, this is one of our favorite times of the year for NFL. And as I was telling you, it's in my backyard this year for the draft, so I could not be more excited for it. Yeah, so I I told you before, but I'll tell everybody, this is probably my second favorite NFL day of the year. The power rankings are week one. That morning, when you get in your first bets, that 10 a.m., just that's magical. It's hard to beat that. But NFL draft for me, number two, I've always loved the draft. Like from a little kid, I always wanted to go to the draft. I'm kind of sad that I don't get to go this year in Vegas, but oh well. Um, Hopefully, they'll be in L.A. soon enough. And then my third favorite day of the year is the Super Bowl. That's way far out. These are definitely the top two for me. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. For me, this is probably number one. So uh, I'm really excited to do this with you today. Yeah, I even had the tradition last night. I sat my wife down. I made her watch Draft Day, even though it's a terrible movie. <laughs> I enjoy the crap out of it every year. I definitely want to yell David goddamn Putney at some point today. <laughs> it's got to happen, right? Um, yeah. It's just the best. Uh, so I have, I know that we've been talking for a couple weeks now about you know, best we've made in the market movement. So I'm excited to just get into it right now. We'll start with your pick number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and talk about all of the best that we've made and what we think is actually going to happen tonight and what we expect to be perhaps one of the most chaotic drafts in uh, recent memory. Yeah, we talked about this also. It's, you know, normally when these drafts happen, by the time you get to Thursday, you see the steam pick up, players get to minus 300, minus 400, And you can kind of just write tickets and print money at that point. But it's going to be dysfunctional this year. And we've seen it throughout all the markets. So uh, with the number one pickets with Jacksonville, it's funny because the dysfunction around Jacksonville's pick throughout this entire process almost too easily came to a head in the betting market once things finally shifted towards Trayvon Walker. We've had between six to eight players at one point slotted as the favorite to go to them over the past few months. The rumors have been that Khan wanted Hutchinson. Doug Peterson wanted an offensive lineman. Uh, GM Trent Balky has always been team Walker for what we can tell. And to be honest, for as dysfunctional as it seems, can you imagine if Urban Meyer was still the coach? I legitimately <laughs> believe he would be asking to move the pick for, to the Giants for Kadarius Tony at this point. So for however bad as this is right now, I think it could be worse. But if you listen to anything that Balky has said over time, he prefers this archetype of a player that's long-armed, athletic, That's not Hutchinson. So I almost feel like Khan's pick of Hutchinson is completely off the board at this point. And it's either going to be Walker or whatever tackle that they like. I am going to trust the betting markets on this. The steam is too difficult to ignore. So I will take Trayvon Walker to the Jaguars, number one. And I'm really interested to see what you do at number two. Yeah, so Walker currently depends on where you're looking, but minus 450, minus 500 as of this morning. So the steam is... There. And I'm glad that I, I was on the Hutchinson train for a long time. I didn't believe that Trent Balky would have the stones and or the authority to actually make the selection of Trayvon Walker. I was wrong. 
and I'm glad that I was not stubborn enough to hold on to that belief after Monday. Once it flipped to Walker being the favorite at minus 190, I bet it. And I also bet Hutchinson to go number two, thinking, oh, okay, this will be a lock at number two. Try to get out of some positions. We'll see what happens. Now I'm sitting at number two on the Detroit Lions. I've said this for a month. No one in the NFL has done more work on Kayvon Thibodeau than Brad Holmes. No one likes Kayvon Thibodeau as much as Brad Holmes. Does Brad Holmes have the authority in that draft room to override the Ford family, who obviously is going to want the Michigan kid, and Dan Campbell? I think he does. I think this ends up being Kayvon Thibodeau. If you look at every sharp mock drafter out there right now that posted their final picks last night, most of them have Kayvon Thibodeau. The market moved heavily towards Kayvon Thibodeau last night, yes. although I still see it's minus 175 for Hutchinson. Somewhere in that that range, Kayvon's about one plus 115, maybe closer to even. I anticipate as the day goes along that this market will move more towards Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't know where it lands come 3 p.m., 4 p.m. tonight, but I, I think this is the real surprise. I, I think it's KT. So, I love uh, that's it. That's going to be my pick at two. I also think it's going to be Thibodeau, and I have a theory on this. It doesn't mean I'm right, and it certainly doesn't mean the lines ultimately go one way or the other, but it kind of ties into my general belief for the New York Jets at number four, which we will get into more in a second. But I feel like it's important to try and tie these two things together a bit so it all makes sense before I ultimately give this opinion. So let's start with the Jets. Every day we get an answer out of one of their beat reporters or someone yeah. close to the team <laughs> that they like player X over Kayvon. It started with the basic information of them potentially having Sauce Gardner over him and then moved to Ikea Kwanu if he was there. It eventually became Jermaine Johnson if they were deciding between Kayvon and someone at his position. Honestly, Jason, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets reported that the Jets like you and I more than him before the day is done. <laughs> that seems to be where we're at in the process right now. And I tried to figure out why it would be going that way with all this smoke. And I believe it's because the Jets know that Brad Holmes wants Thibodeau. And I think they're trying to do everything they can to make sure that Thibodeau falls to them at four. I know it's being reported that that's not the case there. It's a desperate act if you're afraid to lose your player at the very top of the board. But it just all seems too circumstantial to me that most teams are staying tight-lipped to who they want and even quiet when it comes to the general thoughts on Thibodeau. And then you have anyone associated with the Jets who's comparing Kayvon to the son of Sam, the serial killer out of New York in the 70s. So something doesn't add up here. I think that the Lions are going to select Thibodeau. And I guess if that's the case, we'll never know what the Jets would have done at number four. But I have a feeling that the Jets do want Thibodeau at four. And I'm going to say that everything that's coming out of there is just rumors and nonsense. I, you know, if if they are lying about it and the Jets are doing it internally, they're kind of doing a pretty good job. I, uh, I, I don't know necessarily the reason why you do it. You did a good job of explaining your perspective. And, and I think that's probably more likely than anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They've, they've definitely moved the market away from KT at four. Like he was plus 175 yeah. yesterday. And then I don't know if it had anything to do with the movement at two, but now he's like plus 400 to be the fourth overall pick. So a little interesting there to see what they're going to do. Um, so I have the pick. Oh, you have the pick at three. So where do you think Houston's going to go here? I know uh, they could go a lot of different directions, but the steam and the money seems to suggest that there's a certain cornerback in mind that they might want. Yeah, so trying to put together a mock draft is a game of what ifs. Jason, if you and I were able to know the prior pick before we selected the current choice, our hit percentage would shoot through the roof. 
But that's unfortunately not how this works. We have to make decisions based on the limited information. And I'm always a proponent to try and keep things more straightforward in these situations. You know, we don't know what the Texans are going to do. I don't want to like, I should have asked you this before. Are we allowed to do trades? Not that I'm trading this pick, but in the future, am I allowed to make a trade? Yeah. And actually, this is a spot where I think it's very likely that a trade could potentially happen. Well, I will say this. If I was in Houston's spot, I would strongly consider taking Iki Aquanu and then using my 13th pick to move up in the draft to land one of the remaining corners. But it just becomes too difficult to mock that because the board flips upside down when that happens. One of the things I did do as a potential hedge was bet both Stingley and Sauce to go sixth at 25 to one because that seems like the best spot the Texans would need to get to if they want to secure one of the two. We know the Panthers would love to move back and it kind of becomes a win-win for all teams involved. But I am not going to do that here because of how it complicates the process. And I also think there's a good likelihood that the Panthers might want to stand pack and, and take the best tackle that's on the board. If you've noticed a theme, uh, if you've looked at any of my mock drafts, anybody out there, I think that there's only so many game-changing potential options that when you have the really safe picks like Hutchinson and Gardner, who both should be good players in the league, I think teams are going to shoot for the fence here and try to take some of the upside. A guy like Thibodeau is a game-changing option at two. A guy at three, Derek Stingley Jr. would be a game-changing option. He's a player as a freshman in practice that, you know, held his own opposite of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I think he has the potential to be the best player in the draft. I bet at 31 to one that the draft would start Trayvon Walker, Thibodeau, and Stingley. I've seen that more down in the five to one range now, at least as last night. I don't know where it's at now, but uh, I'm going to take Derek Stingley Jr. at number three. So that 31 to one ticket, as soon as you tweeted that out, I went and tried to find it too. I got a 23 to one on the same thing. So I'll take it. I, I wish I got the 31 to one, but I think this is a semi likely scenario to happen tonight. But I, do too. I will say this, and Adam Schefter literally tweeted this 11 minutes ago. The Houston Texans want to move up from 13. And you said this. They want to move up from 13. They want to use that second pick somewhere to get into the top 10. How about this trade? If Aiden Hutchinson is there at three, if the two first picks are Walker and Thibodeau, the Giants trade five and seven for Houston, three and 13. The Giants drop out. Giants go up, get Hutchinson, and Houston gets two top five or top seven picks. They can use one. Gardner or Stingley is definitely going to be there at five, most likely. Actually, definitely one of them would be there. Yeah. And then at seven, you take a tackle or a wide receiver or whoever the hell you want. I think that's a win-win for both, especially since, I again, the, the Jets, the only thing I believe out of the Jets beat reporters is that they're not going to take a cornerback at four. I, I think that's real. So if Houston thinks, oh, I'm going to get both of my cornerback options here at five, why not go, de- go do that deal if you have no plan of taking Hutchinson? Yeah, I mean, there's a legitimate scenario there where you could get your top cornerback and your top tackle on the board. Uh, I mean, depending on how it exactly shakes out. So um, I, I love the trade. I mean, I think it's I think that's where the chaos is going to ensue in this. And I think that's the things that you can't accurately predict on a mock draft. And I do believe the Texans are going to try to move up from that 13th pick, whether it is that they stand pat at three. And then they try to move up somewhere or, you know, they do the trade that you just said. I think they're going to try to be active movers in this market. It just comes down to where can you fit the pieces in to make sense. All right. So I'm up number four. I have the New York Jets pick and I'm going to make this pretty simple. Aiden Hutchinson sitting there. I don't think that he slips past four in any scenario. 
think Joe Douglas would be really happy to get a guy like Hutchinson in the building, and so would Robert Sala. So I take Aiden Hutchinson, number four, to the New York Jets. Yeah, I don't think that this needs a lengthy conversation. I think if Hutchinson falls to four, this is the absolute floor for him. All right, you're up at number five and number seven. You, you double back with the uh, New York Giants, and you get to pretend to be uh, Joe Shane here for a second. So let's start with this. I think the Giants would be happy to land a corner at seven, but I also don't believe it's a shoe in that they go that route. There's a real world world where they could go someone like Jermaine Johnson at the pick. I really wouldn't discount that option. But the ultimate way the board falls for them is if all three of the big tackles are on the board, which is what we have right now. They range between minus 125 to minus 165 as of last night at most books to take an offensive lineman. And it's hard to go against that stance, no matter who you believe they're going to select. Uh, we have heard a ton of rumblings about Charles Cross to the Giants at five. That continues to pick up steam every day. But I feel like this is the classic ploy that front offices do to almost sedate the emotions of their fan bases when the selection ends up being someone like Crossover Neal. Look at the outrage that it caused a week ago, and it wasn't even officially made as the pick. You almost dampen the blow and have everyone know that there's a strong possibility to it and the fans open up to accepting it. The issue with everything I said, though, is that I don't believe the Giants have crossed number one on their board, and I don't think most teams, in my opinion, have crossed. I think when you talk to most scouts, seem like half had Neil, half had a Quanu here. Uh, most mocks usually have a Quanu going before pick number five, so I think that's why he's not very, you know, mocked in the spot very often. But I, I think they take Iki Aquanu at five, I think that if for some reason Aquanu's off the board, they will select Cross over Evan Neal. But give me Iki Aquanu at the fifth pick. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good pick too. The the Cross thing is interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go that way. But if we follow all the other offensive line markets, it seems likely that Aquanu is going to be the first guy off the board here. And I think we can kind of – I know that the Giants like Neal. I'm sure that they like all three. But there are some injury concerns, and it seems like he – if any of the offensive linemen get pushed down the board, it seems likely that it's Neil at this point, right? That's the way the betting market seems to be pushing things. That's the way that it seems likely to me. And yeah, as you said, like if you look at the betting markets, um, at least as of last night, I haven't looked at anything today. Aquanu at most books was like minus 285, minus 250 to be the first offensive lineman off the board. And sure, that takes into some account that he could go off the board at three. He could go off the board at four to the Jets. Like there's more spots for him. So that makes natural sense. And I do think the Giants, as I said, like cross. I just think it's a spot that if you have a choice at all three, you take a Quanu. And then if for some reason he's gone, they go cross and the fans kind of knew it was coming. Got it. All right. So I'm up at six, the Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you one thing that I am not doing is I am not taking Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis here at six. No chance. Those guys, I mean, if anyone got their over nine and a half and over 10 and a half last yeah. week. I mean, I, I think there's no chance that either one of them goes in the top 10. If there's one, maybe it's Willis at nine, but honestly, this one, we'll get to nine in a second. I have an opinion on what the Seahawks are going to do based on some movement that I saw yesterday. Anyways, uh, six Carolina. I think this is a highly likely the first trade that we see on the board, unless Houston and the giants flip, but I'm not going to make a trade here. I, they definitely want one of the top three tackles if they stay there. So where do you go? Evan Neal or Charles Cross? Again, we just talked about Neal potentially falling down the board. I'll go with Charles Cross here at six. I think if they stay, that's probably likely what they do. But I do think teams like 
Maybe the Jets want to move up from 10 to 6. Maybe Minnesota wants to come up and if one of the cornerbacks is still there. Houston, obviously, is a team that can move from 13 to 6, a trade that you thought about earlier. Uh, maybe the Steelers want to move all the way up from 20 to 6, although that may be cost prohibitive and they don't necessarily have to jump over that many teams to go get Malik Willis. So uh, I think probably the Texans makes the most sense there. We'll see. But for now, 6, Charles Cross to the Panthers. Yeah, that's what I have mocked in my draft too. Um, you know, the Panthers can directly impact this draft on so many fronts. But as you mentioned, I hope for the sanctity of the team that they resist the urge to draft a quarterback. I know Rule's job is on the line, but neither Kenny Pickett nor Malik Willis will likely help secure his position. Pickett lacks upside. Willis is a project that needs some time to get NFL ready. I'd prefer to bolster the offensive line with an option like Evan Neal or Charles Cross and potentially trade for Baker Mayfield to mask the problem one season before we get to the talented 2023 class. And I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think ultimately, especially if the board plays out like this, I do think Carolina stays where they are. Um, I just think like, I think a team like the Steelers are looking to move up, but six, you don't need to move up that much. Like there's other spots that you can fit it in and you don't need to give up so much draft capital to jump all those teams. Like you said. All right, so you are on the board once again, number seven, the New York Giants. Uh, last time they took Iki Aquanu at five. Seems likely that they'll probably go defense here if this uh, falls this way, and I think that I have your guy in mind. Yeah, I, you know, just to throw it out there, um, and the market has moved from this point, and I don't necessarily think he's going to be on the board because I am going off at three, but I have a Derek Stingley ticket at 12 to one. That would be the ultimate landing spot for me, but... Uh, despite me saying that the Giants could look in a different direction if the Panthers don't trade out from six and allow someone to jump them for a corner, I do believe the most likely player to come off the board at seven is Sauce Gardner. Um, and as long as Sauce lands anywhere in the Big Apple, I will be happy that I can call him Apple Sauce. <laughs> oh my God, I haven't heard that yet. That's awesome. Uh, all right, so Sauce at number seven. That would be a hell of a draft for the Giants to get Iki Kwanu and Sauce Gardner. I think that all of their fans would be pretty happy with that outcome. I'm up at number eight, Atlanta, a team that has seemingly every person has mocked a wide receiver to them. And the more that I think about it, the more that I think that they're not going to go wide receiver. I don't know why. I have the sneaking suspicion that they're going to go either defensive line or offensive line here. And Evan Neal sitting there at eight. I, I'm going to go Evan Neal here. I know that offensive line isn't their biggest need. But I think there's too much value on a guy like Neil there. I think Terry Fontenot will do everything that he can to ensure his job and make sure that his line can protect whoever the long-term quarterback is that they're probably not going to take this year. So why not go ahead and take a guy like Evan Neal in this spot? That's going to be my pick at number eight for the Falcons. Uh, you have thrown me for a loop with that selection because I'm kind of under the assumption right now that they are going to take a wide receiver. And you could convince me of Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like any of the names that you would have thrown out there, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes it so difficult. And I think if the board falls like this, that Seattle would be moving out of this pick at this point. They always want to trade back as it is. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know what to do with them right now. Um, can I, can I give you my opinion based on stuff that I've heard? Sure. Uh, d don't use this for your pick if you don't want to. Well, I have uh, a player in mind that I'm going to take, uh, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. You know how weird Seattle is with drafting. Yes. They're probably the hardest team to mock. 
What would be the weirdest guy that they could take here? A non-quarterback division. A guy who's flying up the boards as of yesterday was not supposed to be a top 32 pick. Now is minus 600. Quay Walker. Yeah. That that's the that's the name that would be like that's so Seattle it hurts. Well, I actually think Quay Walker and I got a price on it the other day. I think he's going to be the first linebacker off the board. I and so I don't know where it is. Like I, I thought there was a possibility that the Texans could do something crazy at thirteen if they stood there and take Quay Walker. Maybe he jumps all the way to nine, and all of a sudden that they take him there. I'm going to go a different route just because it. I mean, maybe it just makes it easier for me in the future just to be able to figure out what to do. I'm not so sure that this is necessarily what I would expect them to do. I think this board has just fallen to hell for them, but I I will give them Jordan Davis at the ninth pick. I consider Jermaine Johnson here, uh, but I'll go with Jordan Davis. So this makes this really interesting. So Jordan Davis is another name that I've heard there. It would definitely be a Seattle pick, taking a guy that they love and not caring about necessarily – how the board has fallen. Um, so the Jets at 10, we've heard that they love Jermaine Johnson. He's available. But again, they took Aiden Hutchinson at four. So that pick is out. So yeah. what we would expect them to do? Got to go with a wide receiver here, right? This is the first spot. There hasn't been one yet. I would actually be surprised if we get to the 10th spot and there's no wide receiver taken. So who do the New York Jets want? Well, I don't think it's going to be Jamison Williams who I actually have a ticket on to be the first wide receiver. I wish it happens. I do not think that that fit with the Jets, given the fact that they have Elijah Moore makes any sense. So to me, this comes down to Garrett Wilson versus Drake London. And I think for the Jets, I think that they want the big body guy, someone that can help out Zach Wilson. So I I don't necessarily believe he's the best wide receiver in the draft, but I do think that for the Jets, it makes a lot of sense. So I will go Drake London here at 10 to uh, New York. I know Drake London is catching a bunch of steam in the market to be the first wide receiver off the board. That's been something that's been very popular. Um, and it's interesting, even if we talk, like if, if we put all the picks together between eight, 10 and 11, the one player that I keep having the most issues with, which is why I kind of think that you could be correct that they don't end up going wide receiver unless it's maybe Drake London in that spot is when you look at each one of these teams, the one name that I feel like is never mentioned is Garrett Wilson. And mm -hmm. I don't know where to exactly slide them in in a lot of these scenarios because of that. Now, I do think at my next pick at 11, that is a very likely landing spot for him. Yeah. But I don't know if he's the number one wide receiver on the Jets board to what you just said. I don't know if he's the number one wide receiver on the Falcons board. And then all of a sudden, you know, if he's not the number one wide receiver on the Commanders board, then you have a problem. Like, I think there is a scenario that they could take Olave over him. And uh, I guess we can get to that pick in a second. But I don't know. The only thing I'll say about Jamison is I think Jamison's skill set could actually work well with Zach Wilson in New York. I, I think oh, that yeah. when we keep looking for what they're trying to find, they're trying to find these like prototypical over the top game changing stretchers. Like they wanted Tyreek, they wanted AJ Brown, they wanted Metcalf. There's so many of those like deep threats. And I think Jamison's speed could fit in nicely there for Zach Wilson to kind of just, you know, chuck balls up to him down the field. Yeah, I you know what I kind of didn't really think about that that they wanted Tyreek because uh, I've been so focused on Debo, which is, isn't really like a Jamison Williams type, is more slot and run after the yeah. catch guy. Um, and then AJ and DK, yeah, they're straight line speed guys and can get it deep, but they're also these big body Bigger tall physical, guys, yeah. which is more Drake London. But the Tyreek thing, I mean, Jamison Williams isn't Tyreek, but their skill set is similar enough where I could see Joe Douglas if. 
I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen now that you mention it. So uh, I think that's a good pick. Number 11, we got Washington, which seems like they've been locked in on an Ohio State wide receiver the entire time. It's just a matter of they're both on the board. Which one at this point? Yeah, markets, it's interesting, are telling a conflicting story. There are some books, and I don't believe this. I'm not saying that this is something that I like, but where Kyle Hamilton is the betting favorite to be the pick at 11. And at those same spots, safety is like eight to one in the fourth choice. I I just think that it's going to be a wide receiver. I think that it could be the three main targets that we keep talking about. As you said, I think Olave has a real shot to be selected there. Something tells me, and I'm not going to do it, and I'm probably going to be very sad that I didn't do it when it comes. Something tells me Olave is going to go off the board before Garrett Wilson. I am not going to make the pick here. I'm going to say that they take Garrett Wilson at 11. I just think that's the safer route to go with this pick. Uh, I agree with you. I think it comes down to, especially if Drake London is off the board, I think then it's one of the two Ohio statewide receivers. And to me, it feels a little bit more 50-50, and sometimes it's fun to take shots when that happens, but uh, I'll give them Garrett Wilson. All right, so I I think that it's definitely 50-50 Wilson or Olave here. And obviously, we've heard steam on Olave to Washington for like a solid three weeks at this point, maybe even longer. So would not surprise me at all. If Olave went ahead of Wilson here at number 11, brings me to number 12, Minnesota, which now all of a sudden Minnesota is sitting pretty based on the way that this cord has dropped. They could go wide receiver. Jamison Williams makes a lot of sense there. Uh, that line, it was plus a thousand for their first pick to be a wide receiver. Now it's like plus 175. Uh, so definitely could be in range here. Trent McDuffie makes a lot of sense at 12. Their biggest need is definitely cornerback. So they could go there. And then defensive line, Tremaine Johnson, all of a sudden sitting here at 12 for Minnesota. I don't know which direction they would go. But for the sake of fun, I think that Jameson Williams at 12 would be super fantastic. And I mean, talk about a way to energize a fan base as your first pick as a GM to bring in Jameson Williams to pair with Justin Jefferson. That, that definitely gets you off to a good start uh, in Minnesota. So I'm going to go with Jameson Williams at number 12. I, I like it. Um, I'll say this. I, I think if Jameson's on the board, and in my mock, I don't have Jameson on the board in this pick, so I think it changes it if he is. In my opinion, I think they – let's assume that he goes off at 10 to the Jets just for a second. Yeah. And we're deciding between Trent McDuffie and Jermaine Johnson – I think they go McDuffie with the pick. They need cornerback help so badly. Uh, But in this particular scenario, it makes it a lot of fun. I mean, that is the ultimate potential wide receiving core. And Thielen's only getting older at this point. So, I mean, you have Justin Jefferson and Jamison Williams, and you can eventually figure out the quarterback situation. And Kirk Cousins is not done yet. I mean, he still is going to have a couple years left, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you're up at number 13 with the Houston Texans, a team that obviously we talked about wants to move up into the top 10 to make the second pick, but without any trades on the board just yet, Houston's sitting at number 13. Who do you got? So with the way that this has played out, and and I keep saying you have to be careful when you make trades in these mocks, the reason I am doing this here is because I think both teams might still land the same player even if I didn't force this trade, but I'm going to say the Texans move out of the 13th pick because of the sheer number of needs that they have. And I think they move back to number 20 and let the Steelers come up to 13 to select Malik Willis. Uh, The Steelers haven't had the best poker face during the proceedings. And the market has reacted to Pittsburgh despite sitting at 20, becoming the favorites to land Malik. 
you're going to probably need a trade for this to be a winner. Maybe not. I I, I don't want to say that there might be a team that falls in love with Malik and trades up. There might be another team like the Saints. I think Pickett is in play for them. I don't necessarily think they're going to go that route later on. But if you're the Steelers and that's your man and that's who you want, I'm going to say that we flip the draft a little bit here. And so Pittsburgh moves up to 13 and selects Malik Willis. So I've mocked this trade quite a few times myself. There's a trade out there in terms of value that makes a lot of sense. 20 and 52 go to Houston and 13 and 107 go back to uh, Pittsburgh. They take Malik Willis. Houston, I mean, 20, they're probably still going to get a player that they like. So I think that this is a very, very likely scenario and a good trade spot. And it puts Pittsburgh ahead of Baltimore, which, I mean, I know the Baltimore's not in the market for Malik Willis, but there's something to be said about jumping above your biggest rival and taking a quarterback right there. So I think it makes a lot of sense, which puts me at 14 with Baltimore. I think that this is a likely spot where if Jermaine Johnson and Kyle Hamilton on the board, Baltimore looks to trade back. I don't necessarily know who the right fit is. The Saints are very interesting, but I haven't looked at exactly what the capital would be in order to do that, especially considering that the Saints traded away some major assets this year and next year to move up and get another uh, draft pick in the first round. So, I'll stick with the Ravens having the pick, and I'm going to go, I think it's too much value. Give me Jermaine Johnson here at 14 to Baltimore. I don't necessarily know if they have him on their board or if they like him or not, but for him to fall to 14 with the way that they like to play defense, I think it would probably be a really nice fit. Yeah, to me, the pick, if it, I mean, let's just take an open board in general. To me, the pick feels like it would probably be Jordan Davis or Jermaine Johnson. Uh, With Jordan Davis being off the board at this point, I think Jermaine Uh, Johnson makes a lot of sense here. I think they're going to go defensive line. Like the only thing I will throw out there as just like a wild, if the board falls weird and something that you're not expecting, I do believe that this is a spot where Drake London could go. I know like there have been some rumblings about a wide receiver. I don't think that's necessarily the pick that you would expect from Baltimore in this spot. But if you think of the one thing that they do not have on their team right now, they don't have that big physical wide receiver. You have like you've, turned Hollywood Brown into this target hog where, I mean, they have him running like different routes than I would have expected when he came into the league. And I just, I don't know if I necessarily think they utilize him the way that like you would get the most out of him. And I think Drake London, if he's on the board makes sense, but I think unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for them, Drake London probably won't be on the board in this pick. So I I think it's a mute point to begin with. Yeah. The surprise pick to me would be, I expect Jordan Davis probably to be the likely pick here if Seattle doesn't take him at nine. The interesting one here is Kyle Hamilton's on the board. Is that, that is the sort of player and archetype of a personality in Baltimore that makes a lot of sense. Like a team leader, team captain, rangy. I know he ran the four seven, but clearly the guy has a ton of talent and to put him in the middle of that Baltimore defense just kind of feels like a Baltimore guy to me. That would not be a surprise, but definitely defensive line is more of a need than get, grabbing a safety for them. They kind of have a lot of things on the board that could pot- potentially come into play. Like, I don't necessarily think that they're going to take either one of these two guys, but I wouldn't be shocked if they took Penning. I wouldn't be shocked if they took Mc- McDuffie if he fell to this point. Like, I do think they have options where they can slide in and out depending on exactly what falls to them. But I don't know. To me, the pick feels like Jordan Davis if he's there. The secondary selection feels like Jermaine Johnson, and then I feel like it's everybody else. But any of those guys that we named is, is probably in play. 
All right, you're up. Fifteen, the Philadelphia Eagles, first of two picks in the uh, in the next four. Yeah, this will be interesting to see how we split this up between the yeah. two of us. So, uh, the slight betting favorite at most books would be a wide receiver at fifteen. Defensive linemen, secondary, and linebacker all in play. Also, we haven't historically seen the Eagles spend the draft capital to grab a linebacker in the past. So I feel like that would more so come into play at 18 if they did. And I don't know necessarily if they even will there, but, um, you know, I bet Chris Olave at 13 to one to be the 15th pick. I think there is a world that we mentioned where Garrett Wilson maybe is here. The problem is with it though. I don't know if Garrett Wilson necessarily falls past 13th. If Houston doesn't move out of that pick there. Like, yeah. I think if the board falls some weird way to where 11th goes Olave and then the Texans are sitting there at 13th, I think Garrett Wilson's a really good fit for that team. They may decide to just stay where they are, which means that maybe Garrett Wilson doesn't fall to the spot in general. But with the way that the board is, with me believing that they're going to take whichever wide receiver of the group that falls, I'm going to give them Chris Olave at 15. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing too, is whichever of the four top wide receivers end up slipping to 15, they just take them and don't think twice about it. And I, I think that's probably pretty likely. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm up 16, the New Orleans Saints first pick. I know there's a lot of rumors about quarterback, but based on the trade that they made, I don't think that they're trying to trade for a quarterback. I think that they think that they can win now. And they're I trying to get that. They're trying to get two pieces that they can fill in right now to be starters at uh, cost controlled because their cap is out of control. Uh, so I think that you can go defensive line here. I think you can go cornerback. I think Kyle Hamilton being on the board is super interesting. However, I think that the, their biggest need, Teron Armstead, is gone. They need an offensive lineman. I think that with this first pick at 16, they go Trevor Penning. That's exactly what I have mocked also. And and just to double down on your – when we get to the 19th pick, um, it, I mean, the, the guy will be on the board because I'm not taking him at 17 and – I assume you're not going to take him on 18, but it's going to be the exact route that you talked about of two players that they can fit in. I think they believe they're a win now team. And uh, we can get to that in a second though, when we get to the 19th pick. All right. 17, you got the chargers. Um, what do we got here? So mocking a wide receiver to the chargers is fun for all the known reasons, but I would be, I'm going to say moderately surprised just because I do think that if Olave fell here, that maybe there's a chance that they take him. Uh, but I think this is an offensive lineman. I think they're going to take an offensive lineman. I think they would have liked Penning. I think they're going to be a little, you know, that's probably their preferred pick there. But I bet Zion Johnson at 16 to one to be the Chargers mm -hmm. pick. Um, you know, for them, I think offensive line is probably the best way for them to go. Johnson's a scheme proof fit for pretty much any team. And he would solve the interior offensive line problems for the Chargers. All right, so that's a little bit of a wrinkle that I was not expecting there. I, I love Zion Johnson. I bet him top 32 a bunch. I feel like that's a, a lock at this point. His over-under is 24 and a half, kind of like the under two. Definitely Who getting a lot of steam. the under there? Yeah, he's definitely getting some steam uh, to be a top 20-ish pick. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him at 17. I do think the Chargers, to me, are down to four players. And none of them are here somehow. It's Chris Ava Chris Olave, Jordan Davis, Trevor Penning. Oh, there was one there. McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Yeah. yeah. I think that they could go cornerback there, but I would not be surprised to see them go offensive line. All right. So I'm up 18 to the Eagles. If this breaks down for the Eagles this way, this would be great. They have Trent McDuffie or they have 
Kyle Hamilton. I think I have to stop the slide for Kyle Hamilton, even though I believe that McDuffie is a better fit for them. I think that they're going to be like, okay, this is a guy who was mocked to be the number two pick a month ago, and I'm getting him at 18. Howie Roseman, this is just what he does. So give me Kyle Hamilton here at 18 to the uh, Eagles. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I think that with this selection, they're either going, I think they're going some form of, of secondary with the picks. So whether you believe that's McDuffie or it's Kyle Hamilton, you could kind of sell me on either one of those two things. Gotcha. All right. Who's 19 to uh, the Saints, the second pick? So I like a 16 to 1 price on Traylon Burks to be the 19th selection. Uh, as you said, I have a feeling the Saints believe they're in win-now mode with their aging roster. Um, I think they're going to wait till 2023 to handle the QB situation. Pickett is in play. I, I do think an offensive lineman would have made sense if maybe Olave falls to 16 and you flip the picks around where Olave goes 16 and offensive lineman goes 19. But I think it's going to go offensive lineman, wide receiver in one of those two ways. And I think Burks is the best wide receiver left on the board. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me that the Saints would go a wide receiver at one of these two picks. Um, all right. So Trent McDuffie still on the board. I have the Houston Texans pick now at 20. Their first pick, we gave them Derek Stingley, so I can't go Trent McDuffie. Uh, you know what? We talked about him earlier. I think this is probably a spot around where he goes. Give me Quay Walker. I think that this is a spot, top 20. I think that Houston has opportunities to take a chance on guy who – Super athletic, you know, he produced well at Georgia, but maybe a little bit of a late riser, maybe a little bit of a project. Houston has time to deal with that. This is the spot where you take a guy like Quay Walker. Yeah, at so so I have Stingley in, in my mock and in this draft at three. I have the Texans moving from 13 to 20. And in that particular scenario, I still had Kyle Hamilton on the board. Yeah. And I just feel like with a Lovey Smith defense, you go safety corner there. That's kind of exactly what he would want in this particular scenario with you already taking Kyle Hamilton off the board and they're not going to go McDuffie in that spot. Uh, I think Quay Walker is a very likely selection and that's who I was going to give the Patriots at number 21. Got it. Okay. So I took your guy. Uh, you know what? You're up with the, the Patriots, but there's a quarterback sitting on the board and JC Jackson just went to uh, the Chargers. Seems like that might be a nice uh, fit. Yeah, I, I think that this is the spot where, if you want to call it a, uh, a slide at this point, that the slide would stop for Trent McDuffie. And for the record, I don't think he's going to necessarily make it to the 21st pick. Like, yeah. I don't know. One of us has gone wrong or both of us have gone wrong somewhere that McDuffie didn't go off the board with the way this fell, in my opinion. Uh, but if he's sitting there at 21, as you said with JC Jackson, like, they need a cornerback. Quay Walker just went before you. That's another spot where I thought they could take a linebacker, but give me Trent McDuffie. I think they would be very happy with this selection. All right. So that puts me on the board with the Green Bay Packers, and I am in a world of confusion about where yeah. the Packers are going to go here at 22, especially the top five wide receivers that are off the board. So do I want to go for a Jahan Dotson? Let's remember that they also have the 28th pick. I don't think that this is a time where they need to go for a wide receiver. They can take one in their second pick. I do think that they want to go offensive line or defensive line with the selection. I don't know which one on the board I like, though, for them. We're going to go a guy who's been rising up the board a lot. A lot. So we're going to go with Travis Jones from UConn, defensive lineman. Uh, 
I, I'm kind of shooting in the dark here with the Packers. We're getting far down the board, but I do think that offensive or defensive line is pretty likely here with the 22nd pick. So my offensive line options would be Bernard Raymond, Tyler Smith, Kenyon Green, something like that. I don't think that any of them are probably going to be at at, uh, at 22. So that puts me on the defensive line, Travis Jones, Devontae Wyatt, something like that. So I'll, I'll go with Travis Jones. Devontae Wyatt could make some sense. Um, you know, he's slipping down teams boards just because of all the concerns around him. When you're a win now team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Green Bay Packers, I think you can ignore some of those things a little bit more. Uh, I think the wild card into the mix here, and I kind of agree with you, if the board falls in this fashion and Traylon Burks is not available to be the selection, they weren't able to move up in the draft. I think they would take a wide receiver at 28. I think yeah. the wild card at the 22nd pick, if it came this way, would be Devin Lloyd. I could see him going off the board. Uh, and, you know, there was a, I'm sure most people know the story at this point. Uh, his teammate was killed. He was number 22 during the combine process. He was given number 22. If he was the 22nd pick in the draft, that would be a full circle moment. And I'm not just saying that for like the feel good story of it. I actually believe that if he's on the board at 22, like linebacker is not the most pressing need for them, but there's yeah. nothing to say that the Packers don't view Lloyd as, you know, a top 15 type talent and would be ecstatic to grab him here. That seems like it could definitely be a likely scenario too. Um, definitely. And I've pegged uh, Lloyd to the Patriots for a long time. And that's probably who I would have suggested that you take if McDuffie was off the board. I think that makes a lot of sense. But in this scenario, yeah, I think Travis Jones or, uh, you know, I could even see like a Nicobe Dean in here just because I know he's slipping because of the injuries a little bit and because he's small, but like that leadership type, the leader of the Georgia defense, someone that you can plug and play right now, that would be someone that I could see the Packers in win now mode, a guy that they would want also. So definitely linebacker in play there. You're up number 23, the Arizona Cardinals. Who do you got? This is tough. I mean, pretty much everything feels like it's in play for Arizona. They are plus 300 or better for a wide receiver, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, and cornerback at various books. The name of the game to me is to try and keep Kyler Murray happy. And the two ways to do that would be either to add a wideout like Jahan Dotson or perhaps take an offensive lineman. I do think you start running out of options. That makes sense for them if you go the route of protection. But I guess I'll go Kenyon Green. I do know that you can find him at 14 to 1. Uh, I do think Green or Zion Johnson would probably be the pick for the Chargers at 17. Uh, that's at least the way I'm leaning if the board falls the way it is and Penning's off the board at that point. And I feel like the Cardinals are going to take whoever is left, which is Green in this scenario. I would not be shocked if it was Dotson, though, either. Yeah, so the three names that I've heard for Arizona if this at this spot has been Kenny Green, Zion Johnson. There's another one. Oh, and George Karloftis, but Karloftis, Karloftis seems like he's either going to go 23 or he's not going to be in the first round at all. So I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I like the pick of Kenyon Green and the Dallas Cowboys who I'm up with at 24 would be furious if it's Kenyon Green at 23. That's someone that I had pegged at 24, but I do think that they still go offensive line. I think that Devin Lloyd being on the board, probably interesting for them. The Jones family has a history of taking the, just the best guy available on their board, and it has worked out pretty well for them. But they just took Micah Parsons. I don't think that they can go ahead and take another linebacker here. It would be very surprising to me. So I'm going to go with my best uh, offensive lineman on the board still, 
That would be Tyler Smith from Tulsa, a name that is rising. I suggest that you get him to be a first-round pick, top 32 if you can still get it. And, uh, yeah, I think that would be a nice, nice, solid middle-of-the-fairway pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, so in my mock, I gave them Tyler Smith. I considered shaking things up with Dax Hill at 24, but I agree with you. I do believe offensive lineman is the most pressing need for them. Smith is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker at this point. I do think Tyler Linderbaum could potentially be, just because of what you said, Jerry Jones might think that he's the best at his position. He's getting value there. Uh, Now, markets don't necessarily seem to agree with that, and that's why I ultimately didn't go that route. But uh, I think Tyler Smith is definitely in play. Maybe the other one would be Bernard Rainman, I guess. But uh, I like the Tyler Smith pick. That's exactly what I mocked. All right, so you're up 25. Buffalo, a team that doesn't necessarily have that many needs but could go a lot of different directions. From a fantasy football perspective, it's fun mocking Brees Hall to the Bills at 25, but I'm under the assumption secondary help is more of a pressing need. Uh, Bad franchises usually draft a running back in round one. It's why they stay bad. And Kyler Gordon has been skyrocketing up boards lately. I do think he lands somewhere in the back end of the first, and I do think that this is a spot where they could potentially take him at 25. So I like that. I definitely think that they're going to go some sort of safety or corner here. And the guys that I kind of have pegged are Dax Hill, Kyler Gordon, and Elam. Uh, I think all three of those guys end up somewhere here in the first round. So uh, definitely one of those three to Buffalo makes a ton of sense. The other one that I could see, again, Karloftis, another edge rusher. I think that that can make sense for them. But given the way that the market's moving on Karloftis, I'm kind of going to put him out of the first round at this point. So I'm up. 26, Tennessee, a team that has been heavily mocked to go quarterback and specifically Desmond Ritter. I'm not going to do it. I think the quarterbacks are just going to keep getting pushed down. I think what Tennessee really needs is secondary help. They were horrible last year in the secondary. So give me, I'm going to go Dax Hill here. I'm very sure that he's going to end up being a first round pick. Whether or not this makes sense necessarily for uh, Tennessee at 26 or if it ends up being Elam or Andrew Booth, or like there's a lot of good cornerbacks on the board here at 26, but I'm going to go Dax Hill and see if they draft him at cornerback or safety, which may be very influential to my over four and a half cornerbacks in uh, round one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Dax Hill goes off the board in round one. It's just, you got to figure out where to pencil him in, where it makes the most sense. In my mock, I actually did it at the very final pick with the Detroit Lions. Um, In my mock, I gave Tennessee Kenny Pickett. When I look at Ryan Tannehill and I look at Kenny Pickett, I feel like that's his best player comp would be Ryan Tannehill. You could kind of try to mold him behind Tannehill for a year or two. And I mean, I don't necessarily love the pick, but I do think that this is a potential spot where Pickett could go off the board. And if he doesn't go here, I think it's probably just Malik in the first round for quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, you're up with 27 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got the whole gang back. They don't need that much, but a lot of different spots that they could target to help uh, Tom Brady get Super Bowl ring number eight. Yeah, so there were three options I considered. One of them would be Dax Hill, who is the betting favorite to go to Tampa Bay. Uh, You just got him off the board. So to me, it would be Devontae Wyatt and Lewis Seen. I I do think it's going to probably be one of those three, in my opinion, depending on how the board falls. But Let's shake things up and and take Lewis Seen here at 27. All righty. Yeah, I, I definitely think that someone in the secondary at 27 makes a ton of sense for them. Again, 
this is like the sweet spot for secondary players. We've just had three go in a row. There's a lot of good value here at the end of round one for those type of players. So Green Bay, 28. I got to go wide receiver. I don't know if they're going to do it, but if they don't do it, uh, Brian Gutenkunz might uh, be out of a job come tomorrow. So uh, Jahan Dotson seems to probably be the guy that they would go for, kind of in like the Randall Cobb mode. The other guys potentially would be Sky Moore, George Pickens, who's falling a little bit, uh, Christian Watson, maybe. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jahan Dotson here at 28 for the Green Bay Packers. I, I gave them George Pickens just because I like Pickens' upside. I think that there is a world where he could have been the wide receiver one in this class if it wasn't for the ACL injury, but it, it has to be a wide receiver at either 22 or 28. So you know, figure out whatever name makes sense there. And I think Dotson, I mean, there, there's a couple names that make sense. Like it's not just Pickens, but uh, it has to be a wide out at one of the two picks. All right. So now we're at Kansas city with back-to-back picks that we're splitting 29. You go. I'm curious to see what you do at 30, because I feel like a wide receiver and defensive lineman are the most likely choices. Uh, I have an opinion for which wideout I would grab, which is the one that you just grabbed. But I mean, now I think with the way it's gone, it'd probably be the one that I was going to take for the Packers. But uh, this guy that I'm going to take has been shooting up draft boards. He's now the favorite to be one of the first picks in uh, one of the first selections in the first 30 picks. That could have been said a little bit better there. But I I will say the Kansas City Chiefs say take Boye Mafe at 29. I Completely agree, and I've heard that name exclusively in the first round tied to the Chiefs. There's something there. When there's smoke like that, there's a little bit of a real fire. So I would not be surprised to see them take him at 29. I don't I don't think they're going to take a wide receiver. I, I think this is going to be defensive line and defensive back, and they figure out wide receiver afterwards. So at 30, Kansas City, I'm going to go with Kyer Elam here. Uh, I think that they definitely take a cornerback. And I think that safety or corner is a bigger need for them than wide receiver. I think that they think with Travis Kelsey, Juju, MVS, and McCole Hardman, that they can at least get by. And maybe, at, you know, maybe they get an Odell. Maybe they get a Julio Jones to fill in and play, you know, half a season for them. I think that's more likely than them stretching for a wide receiver here at number 30 and taking someone like Pickens, who's sliding down boards a little bit. Or going for Sky Moore. I, I, I think that they want to go defense more than they want to go offense here. You could be correct with that. I mean, I think that the game does change a little bit. Like Juju's being so disrespected in every, like whether it's fantasy football or whatever the market is, Juju's a good wide receiver. People forget that. All right. You're up number 31, the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of different directions they could go, but it seems like probably they're going to go in, either in the secondary or along the offensive line. The problem is with that, I feel like all the secondary and offensive line, like maybe they take Linderbaum here. I, I like that makes some sense. Maybe they trade out of the pick altogether, but it's so hard for me to not want to just give them best player available, which I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily the route they would go. Like, I think Devontae Wyatt and Devin Lloyd are both going to be first round picks. Yeah. Um, I almost just want to leave uh, Lloyd for you at 32 and hope that you go that route there and potentially give them Devontae Wyatt. Um, I'll, I will give them Devontae Wyatt. Just be, I don't know if he necessarily makes it this far in the draft, but if he does go into pick 31, 
I think a team is going to take him in the first round despite the concerns. So I'll go with White, even if it's not the most pressing need for the team. Because I was going to go Devin Lloyd at 32 anyways. I was hoping that that would happen. If he makes it to 32, I think that the Lions would say, you know what, screw it. Let's not take a chance that someone takes him at 33. We can get one of the two quarterbacks that we like at 34. Let's just get Devin Lloyd out of the way and pick him at 32. Would make a lot of sense. He'd be perfect for their defense. I think that the, the pairing of Lloyd and Thibodeau, I mean, that defense automatically gets a ton better. I love that for them. Yeah, I like our mock draft. Our biggest problem is, is we really going to only have one quarterback go in the first round here? I think it's a likely, maybe not likely. I do think Kenny Pickett eventually, I think he's going to go to Tennessee. I think that that's where the second quarterback goes off, but I'm not so sure. I think here's part of the problem. I guess let's start with this. You have so many teams early in the second round that can kind of just sit and wait. And I don't think there's as much of a pressing need in this draft class to try to get that fifth year option. Like if you, if you think that this class isn't very good to begin with, you might just want to like, just take where you're at. Don't put extra capital into it. If they fall to the second round, take them there. I do think Kenny Pickett does eventually go at some point, whether that's maybe a trade up to 31, he might be the one that comes into play. Maybe it's the Titans take him at 26, but I, I think it's going to be under any quarterback total that there is in the market to begin with. Like I know three and a half was a number that was out there for a while. I really like that bet. Um, I think it could just be Malik. I think it could be just Malik or Kenny Pickett. And it's kind of hard for me to find a third choice just because, I mean, where does, I mean, unless somebody trades in or unless the Titans take Ritter, which is, I guess, another potential there, where is anybody else going? I think the best way that this happens is Malik goes to the Steelers, Ritter goes to Tennessee at 26, and then someone trades up to 30 somewhere between 30 and 32 to get picket. Like that's how we get to three. That's how, that's the only way that you can get to three. I think any other way you either at two or, you know, in our scenario, you have one. Yeah. I, I think that two is probably the likely number. Uh, if I was doing that, I'd be like two, one, three, like in that order is the likelihood. I think. I, I think in reality, there is a chance that like, if we were to redo this, I probably should have moved out from the Cincinnati pick. And let whoever yeah, move in I... from it. And I mean, I don't know what team necessarily you want to put in there, whether you want to put Atlanta or Seattle or whoever the team is that you want to move into that 31st spot. Like that's probably likely where the second quarterback comes into play. If it's not at 26 or if it wasn't to the saints at 16 or 19. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Uh, one last point on the quarterbacks. Do we think that we're overrating the fifth year option? Because at this point I feel like it doesn't matter. You know, that. All these guys start year one anyways, unless you're Jordan Love. You, What quarterback do we have in the league where we don't know if they're good by year three at this point? And you're just like, okay, we'll extend you. What does it matter? Like all the guys that get their fifth-year options picked up, Baker, Sam Darnold, they all stink. They're not getting into the second contract. So I think that potentially the league is overvaluing spending a first-round pick, late first-round pick on a quarterback just to get the fifth-year option. I couldn't agree more. And and I don't think that it's happening necessarily because the league is turning around. I think they just hate the quarterback class so much. And I think that you do have so many options in the second round that are going to kind of just stand pat until something happens with it. But I agree with you. I've never really quite understood that because you're right. You have all those guys like Baker and these guys where it's like, well, I don't know if I like them after four years. Let's, let's try it one more time. All right. Final question before we head out of here. Best bet on the board for tonight that you can still bet somewhere. 
This is a, that's a tough question just because this market is so volatile and moves so quickly. Yeah. Um, let me quickly look through. I mean, I guess there's probably not any books unless they're really slow to move. Cause I've seen everybody move to six. Have you seen anybody that still has five and a half for wide receivers? Uh, I do, but it's like minus five fifteen at this point. <laughs> Here's the thing with that, and like I don't want to give a minus five fifteen play necessarily on the yeah. show, but I uh, I think it's ninety five percent of a win. Like I think that there's still so much value in that number. Like I would, I think we're starting to push it to where I would play it to, but I still think there's value in that number. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess like it would probably be something like a Dax Hill to be a first round pick. You know what's really fucked up? I was literally going to say Dax Hill and Kyer Elam to be first round picks. I'm I'm right there with you. Dax Hill's like minus 200 in the market right now. And I think it should probably be like minus four to 500. I think that's a great bet. You have so many spots he can go between 21 and 32. Like he continuously gets penciled in as an option. And I think some team eventually pulls the trigger on him at some point all right so there's there's your homework everybody who's listening go bet dax hill to be a first round pick uh spencer this has been an absolute pleasure i love doing this i can't wait to talk throughout the rest of the day hopefully get in a couple of last second bets we'll tweet about it uh later on but enjoy the draft enjoy being in vegas with it and uh yeah good luck with all your bets tonight thank you jason i appreciate as always you having me on all right see you guys later